0: Welcome to another episode of You See Me, But You Don't Know podcast, where we allow celebrities and athletes to tell their story their way. So today we have Lewis Trinka-Passat on the show with us. He played at the University of Iowa and drafted by the Rams.
1: And what's going on this morning, Lewis? Not much. I'm on <laughs> this podcast and I'm excited to be here and uh yeah. Well man, you tell tell us who Lewis is. Yeah. How, um, did, it,
0: how did it all start? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I you know, I'm uh my, my parents born and raised in a Romanian family, and it all wow. started when they escaped Romania and communism. And uh I was born in Chicago. Uh and man, I, I grew up uh the youngest out of uh Five total, two older brothers, two older sisters. Okay. And um, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just love football. Uh, I was always told that I just threw myself to the ground when I was a kid. And my siblings were like, what are you doing? And I would never get hurt. I just love to do it. And then I just saw this game on on TV where people were hitting each other. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> I want to do that. Um and then started playing in high school. My parents were really strict. They were always about church and school, and nothing else. Okay. And my mom's like, "All right, I'll finally let you play if you just if you still go to church and you get good grades." <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, "Deal." And uh, that's what I did. I started playing in high school. Uh, started getting some attention around junior year. Okay. And got got. Started getting looked at, and, and Iowa offered me first, and a bunch of other schools started offering me after that. Okay. Um, I remember it came down to Iowa, Stanford, and Michigan State were my top three. And, uh, man, I I love Stanford, but it was too far from Chicago. <laughs> and I uh, ended up going to Iowa, and they threw me a defensive tackle. I never played that. And uh, I was because I was a receiver, tight end in high school. Right, and, yeah, I was seeing that, yeah. And I was about 220 coming out of high school and it made me put on like 60, 70 pounds in, in college. And wow, I, I put that on in about a year and a half. And yeah.
0: And okay, then, so so how did they get D the end out of a receiver and a tight end? I mean,
1: I don't know. They just Opposites. you know, so the, you know how they do it in recruiting, right? I mean, I, I, they they're like, "Oh, we love you. You're awesome." You know, um, they told me that they were thinking about putting me at D, D end. Okay, uh, but I didn't know any better. I just I just knew they really they were they were recruiting me hard, and my my family really loved it because it was about three and a half hours away from home, and I never left home, and, and okay. we're pretty. I was you know pretty big on family and being close, and. um uh, it was just, it, I was praying about it. I remember, you know, faith is a big thing for me. And I was like, Lord, like, I don't even know where to go. And I remember to me, the, I got confirmation was, I was praying one day and because I had all these offers and I was like, the rumor was coach Ferrance was leaving. Okay. And I was like, man, you know, I don't want <clears throat> to, I don't want to go there if he's leaving. I remember the next day I come home from school and I just turn on ESPN and And on the bottom, it said, uh, the ticker said, Coach Ferentz gets a five-year contract extension. And I just, for me, that was just the Lord speaking to me, saying, this is where you need to go. And I said, I ran to my mom. I said, I'm going to Iowa. And I went there, and I kind of just didn't really know what I was getting into. And I get in the D-line room, and they're like, you're playing D-tackle. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Once they signed me in, locked me in, I was there. I was committed. And... Yeah, it was, it was brutal. The first two years, oh man, I, I almost quit. Uh, wow. Yeah, bowl game. I remember c- telling Coach Ferentz, I don't know if this is for me. Uh, and he's like, take a couple days off. I told my dad. My dad's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I can't pay for your college. You're going to work at McDonald's the rest of your life. Stuff like that. And stuck through it. And we had a new D-line coach. That, that played a big part. Because um, I was about to quit. And part of it was cuz of the old d-line coach we had okay and uh and again I was one of those things I was praying like lord what do you want me to do like I'm about I don't know what to do and then I was like I want this d-line coach out of here
0: <laughs> I, it was either that or I
1: was quitting and wow. I, I just couldn't quit though because I loved the game too much exactly and I remember coming back from that break and my buddy runs up to me and he's like dude guess what I'm like what the d-line coach he left And upstairs, and I was just like, (laughs) "That's another answered prayer." And then my career kind of took off from there, and I started the next three years, and wow, uh, made uh, second team All Big Ten, and you know, and then pretty much got a chance to go in the in the league. I remember my agent was telling me I was going to probably get drafted anywhere from fourth to seventh round, okay? And I actually didn't. I actually went undrafted, and I had. It was. It came down to two options. It was Green Bay or St. Louis, and I went to St. Louis because they played the same system I played in college. Okay, which makes sense. And they played four three. Green Bay was three four, and uh, Aaron Donald was there. I mean, now I'm not saying I'm Aaron Donald, but I, I'm body wise, like I was frame wise, I was similar to him. Okay. However, he's just he's just another s- specimen. He's not. <laughs> he's stronger, <laughs> faster, and everything. Man, um, that boy's a beast. Yes, and wow. so I had the privilege of watching this dude play every day, learn from him, and basically I was able to model my game after him. Okay. Um, just because similar styles, like how he defeated guys with his technique, and and so. Uh, yeah, when undrafted, I actually, man, they were doing everything to get me cut. I mean, they, because you're an undrafted dude, you're not supposed to be on the team. No, not at all. Undersized, everything. Slow, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, it, actually, I was actually fast for my position. That was probably one I had that, and I'm not saying I'm the smartest, but I used my head a lot. Okay. And it came down to that and technique. I wasn't the, the biggest and strongest, but. Wow. And I. I I remember I led the team in. I led the team in in stats in tackles as a D tackle, and I had the highest. I forgot how they they calculate this percentage, but like the highest efficiency. I would make a play every three plays or something like that in the NFL. Wow. There was and they were just. I remember Aaron. I remember they were just doing everything to. They were testing me every day in that in that. D line room. They were. They were <laughs> Coach wouldn't give me this like certain stats. He would. They would track stats every practice. And I remember, I was like, "Man, I made that play." He didn't give me credit for that. And I would just sit there. I'll be pissed off. But I didn't do. I was like, "All right, I just let. That, I let that fuel me." I was like, "All right." Right. Uh, and and yeah.
0: see, that's the that's the thing about every guy that has played in the league. Those one percenters, all those guys have the same mentality, and it's like you're coming in. And you're gonna take somebody else's job. You know, that's the way Jeff put it, Jeff Allen. And it's like the banging and the and the just the drive and the competition at that level. Now, was it harder at the NFL level than the college level? Was the game faster for you? Was it was it easier for you? Well, I guess if you were playing in the same
1: system, it was probably similar. Yeah, that's a great question. Um in the NFL everybody is good. <laughs> there's no how do, uh, there's no weakness. Uh right. in college you may get a guy that's that's it's athletically I'm, I guess more athletic wise everybody just fast, strong and big in NFL like it's just it's just there's no weakness. Um in in college, you know, not everybody's as fast or strong. You you know, it's, it's, some teams are okay. Um, And then I, I thought Iowa was harder because the way our, the way. (laughs) Wow. um, The way I, I guess just coach Ferentz, the system, it's, it's, it's a tough system. I mean, they build you up though. You know, they make it hard. And, but when I got to league, I was like, man, this is easier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I had more freedom, as far as like the D, the D line coach. He was like, "This is a box." It was he called it a blue box. It was like three three feet f- uh, to the right, three feet to the to the to the left of where we we were allowed to go. Like we had, as long as we stayed in that area and penetrated, we were good. And I didn't have that freedom in Iowa. At Iowa it was like we had to read the offensive lineman hat, follow him, stay in our gap, and if we didn't. We're not playing our so it, it like kind of made me robotic. Okay. And Coach Mike Waffle, he was the D line coach and with the Rams, he's like he I I was like I I was able to use my instinct and speed to go make plays. And okay. so when I had that freedom, when I was like, wait, I can go behind the block if I can make it. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? That's allowed, man. And so when I had, he made it, it simple: just go, just go make a play and. That's what I did, and and so a lot of it is too. Like we're pros, you know. So it's like how you take care of your uh, coaches aren't going to be there babying you, you know. In college, you're a young naive kid, and you're still learning the ropes. I was, you know, we we termed guys that didn't know what they're doing slaps. They were slaps, just, in other words, kind of like an immature idiot. I guess okay. um, didn't know any better. Just kind of like a baby, you know, and and, and so they had to be there for you, set times, make sure you're eating, all that stuff, measure everything. Wow. In the league, hey, you want to make this team? You, you this is your life. You you however serious you're taking it, someone's there to take your job. So how serious are you going to take it? Right, and That's, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. I, I
0: get it. It's it's like welcome to the real world. Yeah. Welcome to being a grown up. Exactly. You know, wow, that is now now when you were playing at. At Iowa. And what is it like to play in the Big Ten? Cause that's that's almost like SEC. It may be rougher than the SEC.
1: Yeah. Uh you pretty much banging every play. it's just big, big offensive linemen. That's what I remember. Just double teams every play, just it was a lot of run, man. Just it's it's tough physical football. Okay. Um uh, yeah. You they you used
0: to call it smash mouth.
1: Yeah. Smash mouth football. Yeah. yeah.
0: I know I watch uh I like watching the Big Ten or, or or Big Twelve or whatever. I mean, whatever they call it now. Um but it's like these guys are just that that college game everyone is excited to play. You know? Now now what do you think about the NIL? Was the, uh, the name and likeness? Oh, um, and everybody's getting paid for now,
1: dude. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, I'm glad they have that. I think the guys. I mean, I'm all for it. I got was I when I was, I was living on campus. I got one meal a day, and the rest I had to buy myself. Wow. And then when I lived off campus, I got, I think it was like nine hundred a month. And that was to pay my rent and buy my own meals, and we still got only one meal a day, which would be training table.
0: That is crazy.
1: And my parents were giving me money, so luckily I had that support.
0: Uh, wow, that is crazy because you hear what these guys are pulling in now—you know, three, four thousand dollars a month—and they're getting fed and and everything else, and and now you throw in the NIL, and it's just like,
1: wow. Yeah. I was that. I was like, man, I wish I had that when I was there, I probably would have gotten a gotten a little bit. But, I know, right? But, uh, but no, that's, that's crazy. good. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I'm I mean the schools are pulling in a lot of money from what I hear. You know, I don't really follow the stuff too much anymore, but man, I mean the school gets what I I heard like they go to a bowl game, they get like three million dollars, you know. And and then I remember we only got each player I think got like five hundred dollar gift card or something for going to the bowl game and then Wow, we got to stay at a nice hotel, eat great food. I'm not minimizing none of that. That was all great, you know. We got a gift, but who's who's really doing all the work? You know, it's like who's putting the body through it, and so where's the the money going? You know, and I know I was I was
0: looking at uh at the bowl that Jackson State is going to be in. I I don't remember which bowl it is, but it's for the SWAC and the MIAC, and each one of those schools are getting a million dollars a piece. That's that bowl game. That That's a bowl game on the 14th or 15th or when they were going to play. And it's just like, okay, you go to the Rose Bowl, that's just crazy how these leagues, and, and they split it up between the conferences. So if you have all your conferences, all your conference teams going to bowl games, you can build $12 million facilities for the football team, you know, but I tell you now, now playing in the league were, how do you feel that it's transitioned from when you played to where it is now? Because you were just there about what, 10 years ago, eight, eight years ago oh, since you retired?
1: Thing? Yeah, it was 2017. Okay. So what is it now? 2022, five, so five, five years? years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, it's so interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. Like Football just it prepares you for life. Um, learning how to deal with people, going through the ups and downs. Life yep. is uh, unfair. You're going to face challenges. You're going to face trials. You're going to go through times where you want to quit. You got to push through. Uh, You're going to have people above you that you probably don't like. And how do you work with them? How do you deal with them? Um, But I think, man, it's a constant internal reflection what football kind of did for me. And, and, you know, for me, it was, I was doing football, man, to build my own name, pursuing my own dreams, pursuing the money. And after I got, you know, compared to where I'm at now, you know, I I was able to reflect. Ministry is no different because that's what I do now, you know? Okay. Um, And man, a couple years ago, I was on a mission trip in the Philippines and this was after I was done playing. It was tough. It was, I was depressed. I didn't have a purpose in my life. I didn't know what to do next. Um, I didn't want to live anymore. Wow. Um, I, so I went from, right? So I was practice squad guy my first year. Uh, Made a team uh, they, they moved me up To the active last three games so This is the beauty Of how Just the Lord had Things in plan for me Which I didn't know So I would get an Accredited season You need three minimum games To get an accredited season In the NFL And Accredited seasons For those that don't know You get benefits There's benefits yes. to that So Second year I tear I tear my ACL You know The coaches are like Keep doing what you're doing You're pretty much Going to make the team You know and I remember June 7th, 2016, OTAs. I just go through the line. I hear a pop. I'm actually still practicing. I don't even know I'd my ACL. Wow. Next, next pl- I make a few plays actually after that. And all the coaches, I, I go to the training staff and I'm like, yeah, my knee feels loose. They're like, basically, long story short, they're like, yeah, you tore it. Come back, made the team with a new coaching staff now because McVay comes in. I mean, and, that's right, yeah. And then... So I have to reprove myself. And not only that, but I'm in a new system now. It's 3-4. So I've never played 3-4. Uh, make the team. I remember signing my lease. They're like, they called me an hour later. Hey, we're going to cut you. We're going to sign into the practice squad. And someone got hurt, I think. And they're like, it was a numbers game. So they had to let me go. This was after yeah. the whole week of practice too. So... I'm like, okay. I had all my stuff in my oh, so I'm like, okay. And then they, I, I remember going back, and my agent called me, "Hey, they're gonna cut you from the practice squad." And what? Yeah. And wow. Had all my stuff in my car. I drove 32 hours from LA to Chicago, and that was it, pretty much. Um, I waited. I stayed active that following year. My agent was calling. I had chances to go to Canada, but it it came down to man, I I just lost the desire to play. I think in that time, I think in that time was, was when. God was drawing me near to him. Okay. And I I lived in my parents' basement. So I went from literally one game, one one check away from making, you know, making a team and, and basically making whatever it is now, the minimum, which would be five, six, 100 K that, that season to nothing. Wow. And living in my parents' basement. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do next in my life. I had two degrees from Iowa. I had a bachelor's and a master's. I'm looking for jobs. Nobody's hiring me. Like I'm, I'm doing interviews. All the doors are getting closed. I'm like, let me go get my real estate license. So <laughs> I do that for a year. Wow. And then that's when I go on my mission trip. In this time, I'm trying to, I'm just, no one knows. I'm just in my bedroom praying every night. I'm, I'm balling my eyes out. Lord, give me something I enjoy as much doing as I did playing football. That would be my prayer every night. And went on this trip in February of 2020. In the Philippines, and that's when the Lord just changed my life. I I grew up knowing of Jesus, man. I knew him in my head. My parents, it was religion. It was I went because I was told to go, even when I didn't want to go. Yep. And then, man, that's where I encountered Jesus in a personal way, and that's when He's like, "I want to use you to share what the love that I have for you, and and what I did doing it, what I'm gonna do in your life, and right. let the people know who I am and." And it was in a moment, I remember specifically, there was like this altar call. I go up there and I cried in his name. And I remember I felt this impression in my heart, like all Jesus told me was that he loved me. And I was like, how can a God love someone as messed up as I am? Despite, I did, I did a lot of messed up things. And he just He just said, I love you. He didn't even look at all that. And, I, and, oh, when yeah. I, and when I felt that, I was like, I'll do anything for you. Came back. Moved, sold everything I had. I literally just it changed my life. I I I was I was addicted, just a sexually immoral person, and he freed me from all of that. I never wow. felt the peace and love in my life since that day. And um, went to moved to Dallas, sold my stuff, moved to Dallas. Uh, he called uh, he 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 led me to Dallas Theological Seminary. Okay, and I just finished yesterday, actually. <laughs> so wow. Um. Just his timing is awesome how it all works out. And it's funny because he just kept telling me, you're in a season of learning. Yep. You're learning. All I want you to do is learn. Be around people, continue to learn. And I felt like when I f- went last year, he was I mean, last week he was kind of prepping me. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm about to launch you now. That's what I kind of feel like he's, he put mm-hmm. in my heart. And just interesting how, this so happened to pop up to talk about him. Yes. I didn't, you know, I, I don't plan these things and I don't go out there and I'm not trying to like push this down people's throats or 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 try to make a name for myself, right? I'm not living for myself anymore, man. I just know that what Jesus did in my life and if I can get the opportunity to talk about him, oh yeah. That's what I want to do. And so that's where I'm at.
0: And and you know, it's 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 when you sit back and you look at it, that's the reason this podcast was formed. Because everybody, you see someone, but you don't know what that person's going through. Mm-hmm. And then, especially being an athlete, you guys are labeled a certain way. And nope, they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. They just go off of your stats. You know, you're the talk on Monday morning or whatever. But to, to have it and be able to come through, and this podcast is... That's why it's called. You see me, but you don't know my story. Mm. So that's what it's about. It's about getting y'all's story out there because now you're actually tell us tell us about your the prison ministries and the guys that you've encountered while doing that.
1: Yeah, so I I met a guy, his name's Wade Aaron. he's he's, he's my mentor. I met him on my birthday. Uh, when I moved to Dallas and he's got his own ministry called Christ reward, Christ reward. And this man just, he kind of mentored me, just learned how to share my faith. I mean, he has his own story and he's kind of like a mentor and brother. And so he's, he goes to these prison ministries, uh, just these churches that go and he partners with them and man, we go, man, and we just share our story. We share what, what. We're just broken people. We all are, and I'm no different than anybody. And I just share my story with these guys. You know, I'm just a normal human being, man. I don't. I'm not any better because I play football. I'm not. I'm not any better because I'm not in here. We're, we all make mistakes. We're all sinners. It just. We yeah. all have different paths, and so we're just there, pouring into them, listening to what they have to say. Some of these guys, man, they don't have a human interaction. So sometimes we're just sitting at the table. And we're just listening to them, right? Hey, man, you know they're they're going through. I mean, guys go through so many so many things. I mean, I heard a story of a of a dad. He was just got off work and he just had one beer, and he, and his daughter couldn't pick up. Uh, his his daughter couldn't pick up his granddaughter. She's like, please go. He's like, no, I you know I didn't want to go. Long story short, he was a block away from. He goes and picks her up. He was a block away from getting home, and uh, I don't I don't remember all the details, but. He drives in a car, someone hits him in an intersection, I think. Um, he didn't go on a red light. It was like one of those like, I forget, either that car was just going off red or whatever the case might have been. And because he had alcohol in his, in his system, they counted it as DY, and he was guilty and his granddaughter died in the accident. Wow. So you have guys that not necessarily maybe even wanted to be in there or made like, it was just. Choices like that, you know, it's just that's a tough situation to be in. Yes, and so you just there pouring into people and giving them this hope that, man, despite the life they're in right now, that there's there's something better, there's an eternity after, and there's a hope, and yep. you know, and that's that's Jesus, and it gives them hope in those situations. But not only that, it changes their hearts, and they're in there. Their guys are getting baptized, they're giving their life, and they're finding. I've seen guys when I go back the following week, they're 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 a whole another person. Like wow. they, they're smiling, their faces are brighter. They're like, man, I was reading whatever you know this this chapter today, and what does this mean? And They're asking questions, and man, and they're like, man, I actually prayed this prayer and I, I saw Jesus come through and answer. And they're just a different person. Wow. And that's you know, it's just it's just a path in my life. It just it's just. I'm just being obedient to whatever Jesus wants me to do. And it was just a learning process for me, uh, as well as whatever we're doing. You know, we're just, we're just, that's what we need to do in this world, man. We need, we need to, people are, people are broken. People all have wounds and scars from something that happened when we were young or in our life. And we don't, we, we don't deal with them because we're not talking about it. And the Bible teaches us to bring it to light. Yep. The problem is we feel ashamed. We feel like no one else struggles with this. We don't want to talk about it, and that's the enemy trying to keep us in the dark and alone. Right. And when we do that, we're isolated. We have our own thoughts. We 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 he drags us down. But the body that's right—that's the church—is just a bunch of people that make mistakes. But we need each other, and we're helping each other. And all day long, that's what yep. we need in this world, um, especially now with with so much division and so much. It's all in the heart, man. It's That's where the wounds are and all starts in there. And I always say it's like the rest of the stuff is surface problems. Someone angry, someone someone making a poor decision, maybe to, to, to get drunk and drive and get in an accident, it's because they're dealing with something in their heart and they're yep. using substances. They're using things of this world to try to fill those holes in their hearts, but that will leave them empty over and over again. And And... I know from personal experience and and then it's it's only when you find the true source in life, man, and Jesus fills that hole and gives you peace that nothing else can. And the only thing is is just the question always becomes then are you willing to pursue seek that or just give him a chance? That's what it always comes down to. Yeah. So and,
0: and I like what y'all are doing because I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a preacher's kid and I'm probably one of the worst ones which most preacher's kids are the worst <laughs> ones. It, it, it is what it is, right? Um, but when you sit back, I, I remember them going into the jails and ministering and this and that. And I'm just like, what's wrong with y'all? Those, mm. those those, are all bad people because they're all in jail. But what you do is it takes a certain person to be able to go in. And not just anyone can go in and do that. You have to be able to relate to these guys or have a story that what 20% or 30% of them can relate to and now it's just like you start changing now you actually care about this person that you don't even know but you care about their well-being so i like it because it is what it is like you said everybody's messed up in some form or fashion you know but What's crazy is I think you have more messed up people outside of prison mm-hmm. than you do inside of prison. So you got a whole bunch of people that just need to be just wrapped up. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to get off my soapbox. But cool. but now tell us, so outside of that and doing what you are doing, how does it, like you said, you've been transformed. Things are different now, and you see things differently. Uh, what makes Lewis Lewis outside of everything that you have learned, encountered, and dealt with?
1: <sighs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a deep question. Um, I just. I guess I just came to the realization. I just had an, had an encounter of Jesus' love, man, and and now it just comes down to what am I living for? Mm-hmm. And it's it's what I've realized is what Jesus did for me. How can yep. I keep that to myself? And yep. so, what am I doing on this earth now? Is trying to help people yep. come to this truth, this realization that they can get out of their their problem, their struggles, if they just give them a chance. And if they, even not even that, if they just seek truth, I don't, it's not about forcing anything. It's just like, I'm telling you, it's like, oh, Louis, you've gone through that. That makes you, you, that's true. But (laughs) if there's a truth, you're going to find it. You just have to seek it. And so, man, I just my life is just trying to model how Jesus lived his life. Now that's what Lewis is now. Is I'm not perfect by no means, man. And right. I think that's the that's the thing. Is just when Jesus walked this earth, man, he didn't condemn people. He didn't go and say, "Oh, look at this sinner. Look what they look. Look how messed up you are." Like no, he's <laughs> he's like stop doing that and just go like just seek the truth. And when you find him, you're not gonna want to do those things anymore. When you truly love someone, right? Yep and everything they do for you, you're not going to go and just smack them in the face every day and, hey, you know, and just leave, right? It's I don't like, know. <laughs> it's, but it's like, and you keep doing that over and over. It's like right. you're you, like someone you truly love and care about, they take care of you, and you see that they're pouring into you. They're sacrificing everything for you. Yep. It's like, man, how can I treat this person like that then, you know? Yep. And so it's like, that's where I'm like, man, well, everything he did for me, like, how can I treat him by still living that old lifestyle? Like, and not only that, but I don't want to do that anymore. And not only that, it's just this life is temporary. It's yeah. all man, this is all a mist, the Bible tells us. And a mist is just something you see and it's gone in a snap, right? And then there's an eternity after. Yeah. Um, there's an eternity where we have God loves us so much that He's gonna give you a choice. He's gonna, He's not gonna force himself on you. He's gonna say, Hey, this is this is what I've done for you. And you have a choice. You can either have this relationship with me because I've died, I paid for your sins. Yeah. I've done, I did all the hard work for you. If you just enter this relationship with me, man, there's freedom. There's just so much excitement, there's joy, there's peace. Not only that, I'm going to guide you in this life and you're going to spend eternity with me forever. You'll be with me forever. No more suffering, no more pain. However, because he loves us so much, he's also given us a choice say you don't have to. Uh-huh. And because you made that choice, People think of hell as oh God punishing the person. In reality, He's really giving what that person wanted, and that is separation from Him forever. And yeah. where, where there's no love, peace, and joy of of, of God, then you're going to feel suffering. And there's there's opposite of that. Where God's presence isn't, there's just going to be turmoil, suffering, uh, confusion, all of that forever. And we still feel we feel some of love and peace and 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 some of that now because God is on His Earth, right? But Eternity is going to be gone from that. And so he's giving people a choice now. Yeah, And so for me, Lewis is telling people about that. Gotcha. Um, if someone's in the house and there's a fire and they're, and they're in the second floor and they're playing a the video game and they don't have a clue, you're going to go in there and tell them, hey, this house is on fire. You need to get out. And it's just warning people uh, of, man... It's, it's, I'm telling you, man, like you're, 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 in a fire and you're, 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 you're in a home and there's a fire. You need to get out. You gotta, you gotta, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to like yeah. show them the light. I'm trying to, it's the truth. I'm trying to, I'm not necessarily doing the saving. I'm just the messenger trying to help them. Gotcha. And at that point it's the person's like, eh, I'm cool. I don't believe there's a fire. They can just stay there and they burn and they die. Or, oh man, I, really? I need to get out, you know? And it, it just, it's just that yep. giving them that, hey. This is this is what's going on, and then it's up to them. It's just sharing the message. I'm just a messenger, and then it's the person whether they you know they make that choice. And so, yeah. and there's nothing more valuable, man. I care for people. I think because of what I, what Jesus did in my life, and I I truly genuinely care for people. We're all humans. We all make mistakes, and but. It, it's just dig, digging deep down. I know he, I know the, tr- I've seen the truth and I can't deny it. Mm-hmm. And man, when people discover that, I have no doubt because I discovered it's, it's true what he can do. He's a live yeah. living God. I think people forget that. And when they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, man, the tr- that's on, not only is it faith, but then you also, he's gonna, he's you're gonna see things happen in your life that man, God is real. He's He is listening. He is with me. But it just comes down to the person Yeah, am I willing to do this? So, that's what my that's who Lewis is now. That's that's it's it's not about me anymore. It's pointing people to Jesus.
0: And and you know that's the that's the cool thing about it because you you were a part of that one percenters, or you're still a part of that one percenters who actually made it to the league, and you've taken that and done this. And you know it's like always think about people. Everybody wants something to change, right? But before you can make that change, you got to look in that mirror and change mm. that person that is standing in front of you in that mirror. That's good. And, and, and that's the biggest thing about this podcast is, you know what? Hey, I was complaining about everybody. I didn't like people. And I was like, okay, what do I need to do to figure myself out mm. to be able to get to that next level? You know. Um, and now Breakfast Club, what does the Breakfast Club mean to you? or what are your thoughts
1: on it? it is phenomenal i mean you're talking about free food and training <laughs> <laughs> hey, i'll take it all day <laughs> accountability um it kind of it kind of brings that locker room feeling back yep. um you know nostalgic moments uh you know i it makes you compete a little bit. I I, I, yeah. I saw I would see some guys kind of running a little harder, and I was like, eh, I don't want to lose. You know, it kind of builds that fire a little bit again. <laughs> um, it just it's cool, you know. I mean, the trust man, what they do. First of all, they paid for my school because of, so that's the beauty of it. I had two. You need two minimum credit seasons to to be able to have uh opportunity for the scholarship with the trust, and I had exactly two. And and the trust, they paid for my 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 school, man, and uh, and it's a phenomenal program. I I I was I couldn't believe it when they were like, yeah, you got approved, and and they took care of that, and then the the Breakfast Club doing what they do, you know, just with with uh, partnered with uh, Donald Driver and just and 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 you guys and all all just taking your time to trying to get players back together, talk about the good times. And, you know, because it, it's tough. It's tough leaving, you know. You don't have that football locker room, you know, life after you're done playing. Yeah. Other people can go play basketball somewhere else. Other people can, there's clubs, soccer leagues, there's tennis leagues, but there ain't no football leagues type no, stuff. No, not after, after you get out, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and- yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the good thing about the trust and about the NFLPA and you know coming in and being able to get the things that you guys get. I was watching you Wednesday, maybe Wednesday last week, and everyone started talking and having a conversation during the workout. Lewis still rolling, still still bear crawling, <laughs> and everybody else is just stopped and just talking. And and I was like, okay. So, you still got your worker. Everybody else is, they're going to talk for a minute, but then they're going to get back to working. But, but yeah, you never stopped. You was like, I get it. <laughs> and you kept bear crawling. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's, that's good, yeah. Now, one word that describes Lewis. I would say obedient. Nice, I like that. I like that. That, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Well, man, I I tell you what, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us who Lewis is or was and where you are now, because that's again, that's what it's about. It's about getting you out there, but. I wanna thank you again. I I know I'm gonna see you on January 4th for the next Breakfast Club. And uh, man, again, thanks, big dog, because you took time out to come sit over here with us and talk about you. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at YouSeeMePod. Make sure you share with your family and friends We'll see you next episode and always remember, you see me, but you don't know my story.